We're back. Fan Morning Show. Justin and Ailish. Sportsnet 590 fan. Happy to be back. The duo is here. A little open block to whip around some stories that we missed at the beginning of it's the show. It's an extended A-list. No A-list music. That's okay. It's not really A-list. No? Uh, I thought you were coming back flex. I okay. thought you were coming back flexing with a with a massive A-list. Well, then let's do we it We can then. hit the music let's at any time. It. Let's do it. Now it's time for hey, the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. So I've gone hey. through like five iterations of this morning show and that has been consistent. It's never changed. No, Gunner's taken by that music too. He likes it? He loves it. He was, like dis- he was like dissecting it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Josh created this. Uh, no, no, he didn't. It was even before Josh. It was Vic. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been around for Shut a while. Vic. Vic's like Vic's having fun. Like he's just he's partying. just that's like, all he does. Party this guy. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, okay. Crazy story to start things off here. Absolutely crazy. So if you've seen The Blind Side, um, it's a pff, iconic movie um, about a family that adopts a football player, Michael Orr, and mm-hmm. helps him go on his future NFL career. We thought. We thought. So it's. I loved the movie. It was one of my favorites. I was good. Um, a little oh, bit. So weird. this this is uh, this hit home. With I you wanted then. to watch it last night. When I, I saw this. I didn't have like, time. We, we didn't have a Blue Jays game. It was like, uh, how could I best we'll prepare watch it for later. the show tomorrow? Maybe we'll sit on my Peloton and watch this. Movie. Why did you? Why did you like? Because I I feel gross after my you, vacation. Okay, so when did you get back? Uh, yesterday. Well, okay. Sunday night. Not much time. Well, no, Sunday night. So you had all yesterday. Okay, a million things to do. Nonetheless, I got to get. I got to get back. But okay. Michael Orr. Okay, so retired NFL star. Um, if you've seen the movie, he's like adopted out of poverty by this white family. That, he's homeless. Yeah, he's homeless. Uh, it's a 2009 movie. The Blind Side was over this story that we thought was a true story, uh, but he's come forward with a. a and allegations to this Tennessee court that the entire central element of this story has been a lie, that the family never actually adopted him, but what, three months after he turned 18, tricked him into signing a document that made them his conservators. It's conservatorship. I'm not, yes. sure. I'm not sure what the titles would be, but yes. It's like the Britney Spears situation. But now, a little different. It, can you give us some backstory on Britney Spears? Like, I heard people comparing it, but saw, I didn't. She didn't have any rights on her own. Like they t- took all her money. So this so is the basically situation someone entered an agreement where they kind of like Controlling. ran. Yeah, it's like I'm the controller of you. I'm I'm in charge. Is it is it that is it that extreme or is it over like intellectual so property it, it, or it's, your they're story? definitely different? But I mean, in terms of the word conservatorship, like we've seen this previously in the news six months ago with Britney Spears. It's very different so with it's, him. It's like taking responsibility of the good things rather than like, oh, you know, yes. if you're if you're homeless, we don't have to do anything type of thing. So where we're finding out this story, obviously, yeah, if it's a lie and you were tricked into signing this, that's part one of it. But this movie made over $300 million. It was uh, an Oscar-winning film. So San- someone got rich. They all got rich. This Who's family, they all? His, The family that adopted him or I fake adopted him. I don't know if they did. Him. Yes, Justin. They're, but they're not saying that they saw much money. Okay, well, I'm telling you what. He's, he's alleged now. This obviously is going to become okay. a story moving forward. He's alleged that this movie that 
earned more than $300 million. He got nothing from it, zero dollars from it. The family that adopted him has now created a foundation. They're motivational speakers. They've created a whole life around the story. They have definitely profited off the movie more than him. I think that's safe to yeah, say. Yeah, but he's apparently profited nothing, nothing from this movie. And the fact that the movie is all based on a lie is why... This is becoming news. It's different if he just, well, it's not different. If he didn't make any money on the movie, he still should have. The movie's about him. But the fact that yes. he's telling everybody now that he was actually tricked into this conservatorship. Why can't I say that word? Whatever. You know it's what tough. I mean? I don't it's know a, why. It's it is tough, though. It's a weird word. I don't want to say it. Uh, okay, just, you have to try. Um, but that they were not the real adoptive parents. The word adoption's incorrect. Um, all of this coming forward. He did write a book, um, I believe, at one point. Um, but There's a book coming out. In the same time, this lawsuit we're going to hear out, a lot which about is it. An important context as well, because if you <laughs> want to sell books, spinning controversy is is something that's important as well. I mean, this is kind of a this is definitely a he said she said. I mean, I, I think the only really truth of the matter mm-hmm. is that someone else made money off the story because clearly, yeah, it did quite well. Sandra Bullock probably made a lot of money, but she even made more a so lot than and that, won an Oscar. Movie runners made a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? Like the network made a lot of money. I don't know how much money the family made. I think we can safely assume Ower didn't make enough money, if not nothing at all. So there's definitely an issue here. But, like, in terms of the family squabble, if you want to call it that, I, I don't know who's right. And I, I don't know if we're going to know who's right. I think Ower, you know, if there's – because apparently there's lawsuits involving the family and, and the network as well because mm. they didn't get much money or they don't feel like they got enough money. I will say the one thing I definitely think is true, though. If Michael Ower doesn't want to be, you know, tied to this family anymore, he shouldn't have to be part of a family that he agreed to sign up, you know, with – after his 18th birthday or mm-hmm. shortly after his 18th birthday. So whether or not he was manipulated or not, like if he wants out of that now, I think he should be granted that as an adult to mm-hmm. not be a part of a family that's not really his because even families that are biologically yours, you can detach yourself from if you really, really want to. So him having that opportunity is probably a good thing. If he doesn't want to be legally tied to them, I, I think he should be given his wish. And if not, if not given that, and if not granted that by the family, the Tui family mm-hmm. is the is their name, uh, then something is wrong. If the Tui family just like won't let him be free of the shackles of the Tui household, that's pretty bad, right? Especially so, as a grown up now. But but it, there are definitely going to be two sides to the story. It's one of those stories where people will like take sides right away no, just you because gotta, of what the know allegations are. But I think it's a pretty tricky one. Yeah, I don't know how easy or not easy it is to get out of a situation where you've you know, agreed with these documents when you were 18 and he, he alleges that he wasn't made aware of what he was really signing and he was, you know, being adopted, but you're 18. And, and, and I don't know what it, you're reading. I, I just click yes to all terms and agreements. Like, I mean, it's a little different, yeah. but think about it. Like if you've legally been bound to this, I don't know if you just say hi, like out of it. Like, I don't know the process and we're going to find out more about this. And it's sad either way, right? Because like, I think the Tui family definitely helped him. He was homeless. He was given a home, mm-hmm. right? He was given a chance he was given things. He yes. was given a chance to be an athlete, be a student, be someone who could grow as an individual, mature, and be successful, which he was. But if they did, there might be two sides to that where they're like, oh, we see an opportunity here as a family to mm-hmm. take in someone who has potential rather than doing it out of the goodness of your heart. And if they saw opportunity, then it is kind of, it smells bad. It smells a little bit bad if they saw opportunity in a kid rather than just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Multiple things could be true. I guess we'll never really know, but a, a lawsuit should, you know, help us get to the bottom somewhat.
Well, if it's as greasy as it sounds um, from one angle, where if this family really did a fake adopt him, take all his money and he got nothing, then I really hope that that's the bottom of it and we get to it. But if it's, you know, maybe a meet in the middle situation where he didn't get as much money as he wanted and maybe looking back, but uh, we will definitely find out more. I don't think that they've spoken the... Uh, Tui family. I don't think that they've made a statement yet. This just came out yesterday. Uh, there's an incredible article about it um, on ESPN. I saw a video of uh, the son was talking. On Barstool Sports? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch that. And I didn't really learn much from the yeah. clip, uh, but he, they did, I don't know if they said anything legally or they've come out with an mm-hmm. official statement, but he was trying to sort of downplay things is what I yeah, got from I that I assume you would do that. Uh, but yeah, the article that I got my information from is uh, Michael Fletcher on ESPN. Uh, read that because I think he was first on it and there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, hopefully we get to the bottom of it and I bet a lot of people are going to watch that movie <laughs> and more money will be made for yeah. whoever. More money is going to be lining the pockets. Whoever gets the, the money from the, was it residuals? Is that the proper yeah, I think terminology? So. Anywho, we'll find out more. Um, more to go through here. Um, TFC and John Herdman. So this came across uh, Daniele. Two of my favorite topics here, TFC and John Herdman. <laughs> TFC is a disaster. That's one thing. And 17 days away, I'm like, ah, I could just going to give no space to those guys. <laughs> yeah. Isn't Bernadeschi out too? Like, what is the latest on Bernadeschi? God. Anywho, um, apparently to our, our guy, Josh Cloak, um, mm-hmm. who we might get a chance to chat with sometime in the next couple of weeks, uh, the athletics Joshua Cloak says that uh, TFC and John Herdman have had informal talks regarding the team's current head coaching vacancy. Obviously, we know that uh, Bob Bradley was fired, I think, in June, and they've just been using Terry Dunfield as the yeah, former interim, TFC midfielder, I interim believe. head coach. Obviously that's not the full on replacement, uh, but we know Herdman, obviously women's national team, uh, men he's, he's been with the men's national team. Now uh, he's going to be through this world cup, but he's got roots with Canadian soccer, of course. And what about TFC being a potential landing spot? It's <laughs> just such a TFC story to me. Like it's not, it's not, it's not like an organic solution, right? Like if you're building a team, you want Mm. to, you know, build at the grassroots and develop talent and find maybe the next coach or the next player, someone who's going to come up and star for you. But instead, TFC, like their entire uh, ethos since the bloody big deal for forever has been just how can we make a splash? How can we go after the biggest name? How can we make the biggest deal rather than, you know, building like most teams do most of the successful teams, at least in MLS, I guess, with the exception of inner Miami, who has bought in some success recently with Leo Messi and all of his pals. But it just seems like it's, it's not, it's so surface level. It's not thinking Mm -hmm. about finding a, long-term solution thinking of finding the next great whatever it's who's available who's a big name who's splashy who might be able to fix the problem because they are a big name and it just seems like that's what they've been doing forever they did it with bob bradley bob bradley so successful (laughs) running the u.s national team Uh, at one point all these mls victories he's got to do the job but you don't think about the consequences or you don't think about the other important context which is that his son plays for the team and his son can't Mm -hmm. play anymore because he's too old so it's just like it feels like they're not putting enough thought into building this team and finding solutions for TFC itself. And Herdman thinks like like if you were just the average sports fan on the street, like 
you know, name a soccer coach. Who should coach TFC? Herdman. Herdman might be the first name out of their mouth because Herdman's one of the only people that a someone who's not in the weeds with soccer too. would go after. And I, what has Herdman done? Herdman obviously had great success with, with the, the Canadian women's program, mm-hmm. but he had Christine Sinclair. And sometimes, like, you only go as far as the people with you can take you. Yeah. And a lot of John Herdman's success was on the shoulders of Christine Sinclair and the team that she, you know, was the center of for many, many years. I'm not sure he's proven anything at the men's level with the Canadian national Mm -hmm. team, despite their success. But again, Alfonso Davies and the influx of talent and how much of it is the team and how much of it really is the coach. And it just seems like it's, it's really a cursory look around the world. And, oh, can we just bring in one of the biggest names in Canadian soccer or the biggest name in Canadian soccer, at least from a coaching standpoint, which is John Herdman. Yeah, apparently there's really no timeline on filling the position. So that, to me, at least seems that they'll interview other people. There there seem to be some other names in there, but you hear John Herdman, you think, oh, that, that's definitely going to be the fit because that's the biggest name out there. But I think take some time this season, obviously one of their worst seasons in franchise history. I believe that they're a three, 10 and 11 record. Like they, this year, write-off seems like a rude way to say it, but I mean, you're not. Oh, it's a write-off. It's a write-off. So if you're going to do anything this year, try to keep people happy and look for the absolute right fit for this team. Don't make some brash decision because you're like, well, we have a vacancy. We better put in the guy with the biggest name. Like, no. And unfortunately there'd be like sort of a negative domino effect here. Like, let's say Herdman jumps at the money MLSC would be dangling in front of him to take over TFC because it would probably be more than what he's earning with the Canadian national program. But if we're comparing jobs, I mean, I think running the Canadian national program should be a better job. 100%. It puts you you on the world stage. Oh, is this, I didn't realize the talk was about both. I don't know. I don't know. That's too much. Can you do both? I don't think you should be able to do both. I think that's too much. That's too much time. I Normally, think you shouldn't do both no, because this Canadian men's national team needs a lot of attention yes, and focus. So. Yes, one hundred percent. It needs. It needs. That's not. I mean, that's obviously, the issue in hockey, you send Mike Babcock or you send mm. John Cooper or you yes. send whomever for like a two because it's a couple span, weeks. Yeah. But running the Canadian national program is a full job, a full time job, mm-hmm. and should be. And if John Herbin is splitting time between TFC and the Canadian national program, then both are going to fail. Let's be honest. Yeah, one or the other, and. Maybe it's a good look for, I mean, maybe a refresh for Canada's men's national team ahead of FIFA World Cup could be okay. That would be the silver lining if you are you or I, because I'm not (laughs) convinced, as you know, that Herdman's the right guy for that job. So maybe it'll Uh, work out, Justin. And maybe it'll work, but then it comes at the expense of TFC. But maybe he's just better suited for a job like TFC. I'm not really sure. There's a lot of drama with TFC. Bernadeschi, by the way, uh, rumored. uh, Yeah, rumors. Besiktas, apparently. uh, Looking at Federico Bernadeschi. Can he vape there? Uh, I think. What are those I don't team think, vaping rules? I don't think there'd be many laws against vaping. Uh, I believe in Turkey is where Besiktas is. But around the team, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would be uh, kosher. I'm sure that might be part of the. Uh, <laughs> it's written in the contracts. Uh, he so- needs to vape. We, we know that. <laughs> We do know that. Okay, well, speaking of soccer contracts, um, perks of Neymar's new contract with uh, Saudi Arabian team Al-Halal um, have come out. <laughs> so we already know that there's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, financial gain to going to play in Saudi Arabia. Maybe may the only gain. Um, he, following things are in his contract. He gets a private plane at his disposal. You want to fly to Ibiza this weekend? You want to go, you know, 
to Mykonos. Here's a private plane. Just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. That's part one. Part two, he gets a huge mansion with staff. That one's not surprising me. Like, they're not going to make staff you, is with a staff. Nice little. And I don't know what the staff means, but I'm sure it's like somebody that folds your clothes, somebody that rubs your feet, somebody that draws the oh, bath. Oh, you think as, as, as far as a masseuse? I'm sure he specifically can. Specifically for feet. I'm sure he could just say, these are the things that I want, and they will say, yes, no problem. Someone, yeah. Obviously, you're going to have a chef. You're going to have anything you want at your disposal. Well, speaking of feet, I think uh, Jesse and I put our foots in our mouths yesterday thinking, oh, he only got this from Saudi Arabia? Like, what does that say about Neymar? Like, they were offering Messi everything. <laughs> they were giving everyone True. everything. I mean, the PGA Tour, the, the players that left the PGA Tour, making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. How did Neymar only get this? Well, apparently not, because all he has to do is go to Instagram, we learn, and put one post out there and mm-hmm. make more than many people will make in their entire lives. He gets an $80,000 bonus for every win. That's in euros, so even more for every time they win. And this is the crazy one that you just alluded to. Every post or Instagram story he puts on social media that promotes Saudi Arabia. So it can be beautiful weather today. A photo, oh, that's, it's just as simple as that? A like, photo of the not sky. Not by flights I here? could take a photo of you right now, Justin, and say, I love working in this country because it is wonderful. Land of opportunity. Land of opportunity. Boom. I could take a photo of you right now and I would make, if I was Neymar, mm-hmm. $500,000 euros to post you know a those, story on my Instagram. You know those long Instagram stories that yeah. you just like fire through because uh, it's like so birthday. annoying. When someone's, when somebody's birthday. birthday you someone's just at have a to, concert. You can't. And they just like they, they just just do like Neymar's feed should be that. I if I'm go, if I'm Neymar, I go oh, there I and like, I take them bum, up bum, on this bum, offer. Bum, bum, yeah. Story, story, story. Selfie, 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 selfie. By photo the of, of the by grass. By the end of the day, you owe me uh, twelve billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, he could do that. <laughs> he he really could do that. He could put up as many. Have as many stories he wanted, and he's getting five hundred thousand euros per story. I mean, and people are going to know they're just for money. Like, no one's going to be like, "Really, you think this is a land of opportunity? Maybe I'll move to Saudi Arabia." Like, no one's going to buy that. But he can do whatever he wants and make five hundred thousand euro. I just, it's insane to me. So, and apparently, he also gets to live with his significant other, even though they're not married. And I know that you can't really do that in Saudi Arabia. So, oh. That's another part of it. So, wow. An exception for Neymar. An exception. Um, we'd be posting so many stories. It'd just be outrageous. So there's Neymar. so many unfollows. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Like, that's no, not the clause. Matter. No, it doesn't matter. Well, it might be, but I, I doubt it. It wasn't listed publicly. No. Okay. Um, tough to transition from that one, but uh, we want to make sure we get a moment to talk about uh, Toronto Maple Leafs prospect who we spoke about, I think, last year at um, one of their ceremonies on the ice, but Rodion Amarov, who died yesterday after a very hard-fought battle with brain cancer. He was 21 years old, uh, drafted 15th overall in the 2020 entry draft, um, signed the three-year contract with the Maple Leafs. We never got an opportunity to see him with them as he was dealing with this. A horrible story. Just our, our thoughts and prayers to the family. Uh, organization put out a really beautiful message about it, but just taken way too early. Um, his life uh, shortened there. And, and we saw him uh, at the Maple Leafs home opener last year against Washington. I remember he was on the bench. Uh, yeah. It was really special to see him there. And I was obviously working. So when I saw that, it was like, oh my God, he got the biggest amount of applause. And he, everyone that we've heard from since this, former players and teammates and people that didn't get a chance to play with him, but from the organization said he was always so positive and never talked in like... Um, 
in, in, in terms that weren't future. Like I'm going to get there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep working hard. So, so sad to see that he passed. And, um, you know, I, I really hope that somehow the, the Leafs honor his number or his, his commitment this upcoming year. And I'll be interested to see how they do that. Yeah, it was devastating uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit surprising because, you know, it's not like we're getting, you know, up-to-date medical. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of, it was kind of unknown for a while exactly what was going on. There was some, like, positive news. There were appearances mm-hmm. he made. Yeah. He did spend uh, a, a day with the Maple Leafs last year and kind of went through everything in addition to, you know, being there on opening night. So he was, he was... uh around a little bit and there were some positive notes that would come out Mm -hmm. but it was sparse and you know I guess you're only getting the positive stuff because the negative stuff uh, you know wasn't as public Um, but it's just I mean it's a guy first round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs young guy with his life ahead of him like that the hockey stuff doesn't even matter but it's just impossible to even fathom someone would go way too soon like that, uh, someone who's in, uh, you know, someone who became one of the top prospects for the Toronto Maple Leafs, someone who was at the forefront of everyone's minds. Like you just don't even think that that's possible, and it happened, and it's really, really heartbreaking and devastating uh, that a guy with so much ahead of him uh, didn't get a chance to see all that through. Yeah, 21 years old. It's uh, pretty heartbreaking. I just wanted to read one quote from his agent, who was the first to announce his passing yesterday. Um, From the moment he received the news of Rodion, he refused to speak in the negative, determined to enjoy every day, facing with the same positive attitude he showed during his hockey career. We'll always remember his courage, his desire, his will, his smile, and all the great things about him. Um, Obviously, the entire hockey community and sporting community uh, shared their, you know, messages towards him. I thought... You could tell Kyle Dubas wrote a really nice one for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins, even though he's no longer with this organization. He was part of obviously drafting him and, and being a part of his story. So uh, we'll be thinking about him and see what the Maple Leafs can do this year to honor him. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's do something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Kale McCarr gracing the cover of NHL 24. Crazy. Um this one, it's always funny, like, who's going to be the guy, right? Who's going to be the guy on the cover? And I had no idea this year. I actually thought it should be Matthew Kachuk. That would make he some had, sense. he had his he had a good year. year. It was GQ. He was the guy, like, kind of actually helped people get into hockey that weren't into it, right? Because it was, it was energy. It was buzz. He was, like, kind of a different type of player that we hadn't seen in a while. He had his mouth guard hanging out of his mouth. But yeah. Kale McCarr uh, will be gracing the cover. I think he's one of the first... Um, Colorado players since yeah since Peter Forsberg since nineteen or ninety eight. It's a little throwback. surprising. That's a little yeah. surprising. Um, last year, obviously, Trevor Zegras and Sarah Nurse did the duo cover. I love that one, of course, because my girl Sarah Nurse. Uh, but yeah, twenty four year old defenseman with a Stanley Cup and a Norris Trophy, deservingly so, on the cover of this year's uh, NHL. 24. I can't think of much of a better choice. I mean, if you're going safe, uh, Kale McCarr is both safe and immensely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're, t- you know, squeaky clean image, I, I think Truly Kale McCarr <laughs> definitely has that. So uh, no worries with that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's more so about the talent. It's more so about uh, the guy that players or young kids want to emulate. And I think if you want to emulate anyone right now, it might be Kale McCarr. I mean, surely Connor McDavid has that eye-popping talent and scoring all the goals and winning all these hard trophies. 
Kale McCarr is a role model among role models, I would say. So pretty good one. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever many defensemen. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's always a goal scorer or someone that's like, you know, going to be leading the league in points. But how many times is there... Yeah, I got to be honest. It's kind of like washes away from my memory. The last one nice. I'm looking right now. So Kale McCarr, Trevor Zegris, Sarah Nurse, Austin Matthews, OV, Austin Matthews, PK Subban. Austin was, Matthews having back to back or almost back to back. Almost back to back. It's just like, ah. Oh. Then Connor McDavid. What did we do the year before? Let's do that again. Connor McDavid, Vladimir Tarasenko, none. The legacy so PK, issue. PK was on the cover. NHL 19. Uh, like more recently than Connor McDavid? So, am I reading the rhyme on Wikipedia? NHL no, you video not, you game might series. Not be. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's right. Connor McDavid was NHL 18. Yeah. Matthews PK was 20. PK 19. Taves, Bergeron, Bergeron there, Martin Brodeur, Claude Giroux, Steven Stamkos, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, that was NHL Slapshot, whatever that is. I don't play video games, but. I don't either. Kale McCarr. Congrats to him because he's well deserved and he's defense. Kids, you don't have to be goal scorer. You tell that to your former self. You transitioned from defense to forward. That's right. Apparently, Joe Sackick was on the 04 cover of NHL. Brandon and Beamsville. Braden. Braden and Beamsville. Braden. Sorry. Beamsville. That makes sense. Nice Colorado, Hamlet. Colorado had some good, uh, some good exports in the late 90s, early 2000s. Beamsville, Hamlet. I drove through so many Hamlets from I was gonna say like 18 I, hours. I wanted to just start taking pictures of Hamlets for you. I'm surprised you didn't. There's so many weird hamlets in New Brunswick. Like, what even happens in that province? I'm not really sure. You just, like, stare out the window. Where did you stop? Nowhere. I drove the whole way. You didn't make one stop? Well, you just go stop at, like, a, I don't know, a I thought you'd have a couple stops No, buddy. I was dialed in. right through. Grinded through. Wow. That there are some weird uh, places in, (laughs) there's some weird places in New Brunswick. Yeah, definitely there are. And, I mean, P.I. is just Hamlet There's weird places everywhere. (laughs) But I saw some weird places. And you're on Moose Watch the whole time you drive through that province. Like, every sign says, watch out for Moose. Like, can I blink or am I going to hit Moose? Anywho, all hail Kale is another Texan. A lot of people love Kale McCarr. Uh, Let's talk to Billy Jaffe, uh, NHL analyst at Nesson and host of the Morning Brew. Uh, Big news for the Boston Bruins. Another... Legendary player, 15, 16-year career. He played it all with the Bruins. Uh, David Krejci announced his retirement yesterday. Uh, the starting to maybe see the turn of the the tides turning with the Boston Bruins, right? A lot of people that will no longer be playing for them next we'll year. We'll see what Billy says. Billy we'll might be Billy, positive. Uh, Billy might be positive about the future. But I'm down to say that the Bruins are, you know, crumbling away. I love that. Okay. It's good. It's good. To Toronto, people need that, okay? We'll hold on to it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, Billy Jaffe after the break on the Fan Morning Show. Justin and Ehlers, percent 590 Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big news out of Boston yesterday, right when we got off the air, as per. <laughs> not as They're scheduled 9 a.m. tweets. Yes, like it's definitely. scheduled at 9 a.m. scheduled 9 a.m. tweets. Whoever, you know, is it, should we be calling it X now? Uh, no. No, we're not going to do it. It's Twitter forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, the 9 a.m. tweets, they heard us. Uh, not as big of a news as the Patrice Bergeron announcement was, but big nonetheless. David Krejci hanging them up officially, uh, continuing a bit of an exodus uh, for the Boston Bruins to discuss that and more. Let's bring in our next guest, Billy Jaffe, NHL analyst for Nesson and co-host of The Morning Brew. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. 
How's everybody doing in Toronto? Better than Boston. Are we though? Can, can we can we comfortably <laughs> say that? Can we, can just we for a minute, let say us that? say that. Okay, for, well, let's. Oh, yeah. let's Little victories, little victories. Yeah, little I'll take victories. whatever I can get, Billy, all right? <laughs> little, small, very minuscule victories. Uh, we will cling to them. Uh, so David Krejci uh, makes his decision yeah. yesterday. I, I, I don't know. It, maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it's a lack there of a surprise. Uh, what did you make of the decision uh, officially for David Krejci to move on? And sort of, you know, what's the legacy for David Krejci? What does he leave behind in Boston? Uh, well, wasn't surprised at all. Uh, in fact, waiting for it. This, this had been discussed for a long time. Everybody, you know, knew what he was uh, doing this past season, Justin, to make it work. You know, his family was living in one place. He was in Boston for the most part. You know, they were visiting a bit. Uh, he's got young children. Uh, wanted to come back for numerous reasons for this season, and it worked. It did. It, it did work. Of course, the major disappointment for. Uh, the team and, and for him personally, given that it didn't go as far as they had looked to or hoped to. Um, but, but overall, I mean, he, this was a tough year. Now they made it work. He had a, he had a really pretty good season. I mean, 56 points in 70 games, not too, not too bad. Um, and especially after taking last year, the previous year, not off, but out of the NHL playing in the Czech league, which is vastly different as you guys both know than the NHL. But he comes back successful year. But this was this was uh, this was a given almost at the end of the year. I think everybody knew he battled through stuff like a lot of players do, and it's time for him to retire. The timing, I think, he just waited for Patrice mm-hmm. to be uh, given his due, mm-hmm. so to speak, given his time. With regard to his legacy um, in Boston, in the New England area, uh, you know, revered. Yet, how's this for a contradictory statement? Not given nearly as much credit, put it that way, you know, is probably deserved. I mean, it was both at times because when playoff Krejci came around, it was like everybody in the hockey world knew that David Krejci is or was a special performer. At other times during the season, you know, Krejci wasn't given nearly as much probably because of the other players around him and also because of the way David is very quiet. Very Not that didn't mean he was shy or anything. He was just quiet, a cerebral guy phenomenal you talk about legacy phenomenal guy to sit next to justin and talk to in the locker room uh when you could get him and uh, you know a man of few words but when he spoke it was awesome right uh but yet he was revered in the locker room too because of his sense of humor because of his caring because of he's a bruin he's a bruin through and through so it's it's a very interesting legacy but a, ph- a phenomenal player, great person, and I'm going to miss you know seeing him and getting to talk to him just a couple of times a year in the locker room. Uh, I hate that it's part of the equation, but it is with any hockey story uh, how much you're getting paid. And it was, I, I think, part of it. It was it was a little strange is that on a team with Patrice yeah. Bergeron uh, and Brad Marchand and David Pasternak for a while, the guy who was getting paid the most was David Krejci. But that didn't seem to be an issue like it is in other markets. Hint, hint, the one that we're in, where it seems like yeah, everyone's comparing mm-hmm. themselves to each other. I mean, it really worked in Boston's favor for a long wow. time that prices were suppressed. But it didn't feel like it was an issue that Krejci despite all that, you know, was earning a little bit more than everyone. I always thought that was, uh, I don't know if it was strange, but it was interesting. Well, remember, he's coming off some years of, again, playoff Krejci. Uh, led the league in scoring in the playoffs for a couple of seasons. And uh, the Bruins won one cup and they lost the other. And he's up for his contract. And, and forgive me, I don't remember the exact year. My, my, I haven't had my morning coffee yet. Um, Your morning but, brew. You know, he's up for his 
That's a good, it's a great call. Good by you. It's an awesome <laughs> call. Excellent. It's strong and bold coffee. We can sell you some. Listen, um, anyways, um, uh, but he's up for a new contract, and you know, Peter Shirelli, the general manager, they get him under this bigger deal. You're right; it was more than other guys made. But Craig, David, it, it kind of hit. They've seen what he's capable of doing, and I don't think it bothered anybody in the room because they understood his value. And they understood that this is a business, and they understood that he had earned it in in many ways. Um, and I think a lot of these guys, I mean, you know, Boston's always kind of had a leader here, you know, Bobby Orr. But they, go back to Raymond Bork, you know, how much, you know, he got paid, and then the others fell in line. And so Krejci was, it wasn't, it was a little bit more, right? That it was about a half a mil, I think, more than the than the top other guys, and yeah, and and this is what it took to get them under contract, and uh, at that time, and I think everybody was happy because I think they all thought they were going to you know make more too, and so, anyways, you're right, it was it was more, but here's a guy who was so respected uh, by his teammates too that I think that that really helped pacify if there was any angst. This is, but you bring up, I'm segueing into something else here. This, this is about. The, See, what the Bruins are going to be missing, we know they're going to be missing their top two centers from last year. Okay, but they're both 37 or 36, 37, whatever. But what they're going to be missing more than anything, I mean, if you look over the last couple of years now, starting with Zidane Char's retirement and then moved before that moved on to other teams, is the Bruins' way. Mm-hmm. And you talk about, you know, the Toronto, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm being serious here. I'm not, I'm not being a smartass, you know, like, you know, you've had issues up there going to certain places of where they want to succeed, right? Well, part of it might be, you know, when it's all said and done, the players in the room right up there, and the Bruins have a Bruins way. Now, they're going to be missing two guys in particular. I mean, their locker room has changed significantly in the last two weeks now. Of, uh, you know, even though we kind of all expected it, but to know it now, I mean, you talk about a changing of the guard, the Bruins have some good young leaders lined up but they're not these guys yet it's going to be a big big change to the room yeah that uh, naturally uh the conversation is who's going to step up and be a leader and there are some young guys um and i wonder how much you think that they've learned from the leaders that have been here the veterans patrice bergeron krejci um even when chara was around uh is brad marchand Mm -hmm. a guy that is going to naturally fill some of that void this year i mean he's always been a passionate player i mean i think he's probably a leader on and off the ice but is there someone that really needs to look around and say now this is my locker room well, I mean, Marchand is the vet. Mm-hmm. He's he's the guy that you mentioned that um, wouldn't surprise me if he got the C for a couple of seasons. And yet, again, I'll contradict myself here. I, would it surprise me if they – it wouldn't surprise me at all. And and Brad, you know, has, has the reputation, et cetera, um, but he is highly respected in that locker room, and he has learned a ton. I mean, you could see his behavior, his attitude, his ways, his verbal skills. I mean, he's, he's always been a good talker, but – how he's matured and, and, you know, he's learned from Patrice. He, he watched him from years, even though he's only a couple of years older, had a ton of, has a ton of respect for him. Yes. He learned a lot from Char. We've seen Brad, you know, we see him every day, so to speak. We've seen him change in that way, but there's other guys. There's Charlie McAvoy. Uh, Charlie has been, he's been a sponge since he signed his contract after getting drafted out of BU. Uh, looking at these guys, again, Chara being a big example. But he's had other guys around there, too. Uh, a guy like Kevin Miller that maybe not a lot of people 
remember, but played some years for the Bruins, just a real warrior. You know, Charlie watched him, other guys, too, that he's seen on the back end uh, about how they comport themselves. David Kostrinak, we've seen him change in the last year, year and a half, and that's what comes with, you bring up Justin earlier, the big contract, right? I mean, you've seen... You've seen that, too. Now, he's taken on a mega deal. He's wearing a letter on his sweater a lot last year. He's another guy that is gone from, you know, every day is a good day in Pastaville. I mean, that's why you love the guy, right? I mean, he's just got the most energetic, effervescent smile on his face regularly to where he's taken on a more demonstrative leadership role. And that's from learning from the Patrices, the Krejci's, et cetera. And so there's some other players too, but those are the three guys that jump out to me um, right now. But they've got some other players, but it's Charlie and, 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 and Pasta being with their ages, with the Pasternak with their ages, seem to be the most logical choices uh, right now for guys to really taking the next step. Is it too early to concern yourself with Brad Marchand's future? I mean, he's got one more year after this upcoming season, but like we're going through that right now where Austin Matthews is supposed to sign but hasn't because he's eligible. Uh, William Nylander is entering the final year of his deal. Uh, it's like it, it does come up fast. I mean, Matthews was asked sure. about it before. Uh, it was even a thing that could be talked about uh, last summer or two summers ago. So, is Brad Marchand's futures simple? Is it an easy one that they're going to figure out? Or could this get a little bit more interesting than, you know, than you'd really give much thought to, at least uh, until it comes up? Well, um, I mean, I think because it's just the nature of the business, I think you have to think about it. Uh, I'm sure Don Sweeney and his staff have, uh, have talked about it ad nauseum as part of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those situations. Since Brad has been here so long, in Boston so long, it's really hard to imagine him in another sweater. But, dot, 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 we've seen that happen to other players from other teams, right? You know, um, you, you know I'm just, this is just my guess. I would imagine that Brad Marchand wants to remain a Boston Bruin for the, his career like a lot of other, the other great Boston Bruins. But, you know, guys by the name of Raymond Bork, uh, you know, ended up leaving the Bruins and, and fulfilling his desire and wish and dream of winning the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. Could it happen? Of course it could happen. Um, you know, this is a this is a big change here going on this year for the Bruins for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, we mentioned the two guys, but there's a lot of that are gone in Bergeron and Krejci, but there's a lot of other changes. Again, not just from this past season, but two, three previous seasons. A guy by the name of Tuka Rask was a huge part of this team and he's and he's no longer part of it um so i'm curious to see where it goes with with brad the bruins are gonna have a lot of money Justin, a ton of money next off season and um you know they're gonna be looking for centers sorry i'm having a little fun with austin matthews free agency potential mm, um don't but, even start <laughs> <laughs> i mean listen they're, they're they're gonna have a ton of money they're they're, they're going to uh, and they depending on how they do this season, they could make a couple of more, a trade or two to free up even more money at the trade deadline, depending on how the season goes. And so working its way back, you know, the connection to Brad, money won't be an issue. Now, you know, where is he at in his career, relatively speaking? Who knows after this season? I don't think money will be an issue at all. I think they're going to have to kind of squeeze him in and they can fit him in, no problem. What's he going to want when it's all said and done and the direction of the team? It's maybe a lame answer, but it's really true. I think a lot of it may depend on, on, on you know, just how things start and go early on in this season. And then, you know, it, it's up to Brad. I mean, he's earned that right to decide what he wants to do. 
Talking to Billy Jaffe, NHL analyst at Nesson and co-host of the Morning Brew. Um, okay, so leaving not a lot of depth in that center spot. I know we talked about filling the void of leadership, and maybe that naturally comes from within, and, and hopefully it does. But do you see a piece that could fit in terms of bolstering the center depth for the Bruins, someone that might be a, a trade partner that would fit with the Bruins' future and how they might address that if they do address it before the season? Um, I mean, if you, if you have the the holiday wish list, shopping list, I guess the number one choice for me would be in Calgary, Elias Lindholm, what ends up playing out in that scenario um, up there. You know, he's got one year left on his contract, but it's, a re- I'm, you know, it's real easy to sit here and play, you know, broadcaster, armchair GM to make it work. Um, you know, what is Calgary going to want that? I mean, who knows? Let's see what happens up there too. I mean, you look at it and you say, wow, he fits so much of what, not just the Bruins, but a lot of teams would want um very patrice bergeron like in the sense of same shot he actually has a great great uh, actual shot too uh he's a nice skater he's stronger than you realize he's so cerebral smart you know below the puck when need be above it at the other times uh we've seen him with high level players being able to put up a ton of points okay again i can sit here and say that that would be a great trade partner but you know do the bruins have enough to make that type of deal work rhetorically asking i don't know I, I don't know. The Bruins have made a lot of deals over the years, a lot of deals. And, you know, they only, I think their next first-round pick, if I remember correct, is, is 25. So, you know, could they make a deal like that happen? You know, do they have enough current on their roster that, that another team like Calgary would want? I don't know. Um, but I can't imagine Don Sweeney, who's been so aggressive um, and, and, and so, you know, interested in looking at so many different things, hasn't looked at that, hasn't looked at other scenarios. Um but that one on, on the surface, at least seems like the one that, you know, would, would, would fit great. You have a guy in, in his last year of his contract and then would be up for a contract. And, again, the Bruins have a lot of money, so that could work. But I, I think the hard part is going to be actually making the deal when all said and done because the Bruins, the Bruins have assets at the NHL level. They have just a couple at the American League level. And, and uh, you know, again, their draft capital, they've used a lot of it over the years, especially – Let's not forget, I mean, last year alone, they, they're, they're moving picks to get Orlov and Hathaway and then Bertuzzi. So they've been very aggressive in utilizing assets, future assets, but they don't have those now and in a time of perhaps even greater need. Yeah, is it worth wondering if they even should? I mentioned you, you mentioned uh, Elias Lindholm, excuse me, uh, expiring deal. Mm-hmm. Like, they're definitely in a position where... Yeah, they were Bergeron and Krejci away from, you know, being this sort of historic team, right? Like, I know they lost more than that. They lose Hall. They lose Orlov. They lose Bertuzzi. But they really just lose Hall from, a you know, a full season where it was a historic one. So there's definitely losses. There's definitely still talent there because they didn't lose the entire team. But if you look at, like, a rental or you look at someone with an uncertain future – is are the Bruins in a position where that's worth doing, or should they be sort of balancing the future rather than you know putting everything into the 2023-24 season? Well, no, I don't think they'll do that. And put it this way, a guy like Lindholm, if if you know, you know, if he, if, he, if that if that type of deal for that type of player were to work out, I don't see them doing it without an extension, similar to what they did with the other Lindholm that they have, Hampus Lindholm, a couple of seasons ago when they acquired him from Anaheim. Remember, he was. He gave approval uh, or got approval to or gave approval, I guess, to his, his, his representation to, you know, talk to teams, a few couple of teams that he was interested in and had a deal done quickly. So that's the type of thing that I would see happening, Justin, if, because they can't afford to just put up chips in 
for a season of, of really unknown in, in some ways. <clears throat> they do have talent. They have Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as your fixed centers right now. But you're still kind of figuring out, like, we think you know what you have with Charlie Coyle, who's really been established as a great third-line center. Okay, Zaka, is he a, can he be a second-line center? He played both wing and center excuse me, last year. I don't know yet. You know, that's his natural position, but he's played an awful lot of wings in the NHL. So we're going to see. So I get what your point is, and I couldn't agree with you more. I don't see them pushing chips all in just for the 23-24 season. I see them being smart, but I see them if they're able to acquire an asset that would be around for a sustainable period of time, they would do something. Otherwise, I don't see them doing something like that. A big deal. Uh, last one for you, Billy, uh, for something to change. And, and but when I say change, I mean either Toronto, Boston or Tampa falling out. I know Florida just won a president's trophy recently, but if we're looking at the mm-hmm. strength in the last five years, it's those three teams, 100% for there to be changed. Someone has to break through. And if you look at, you know, the teams that have been sort of in waiting and preparing to strike and, and trying to get to the moment where they're mature enough to take a run inside the Atlantic division, those teams are Ottawa, Buffalo and Detroit. And if one team falls, which out of those three do you have most confidence in to take a step forward and actually challenge for a top three spot in the Atlantic Division this year? Um, can I say New Jersey? I know they were already up there last year. That's a I metro. Know what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. In the, in the East in general, I, I mean, Jersey's I, I a look good at pick, all those though. teams. It, it is. No, I know. I'm kidding. I'm having fun with it because I do think that they've got a good next step level in them again. And I know that sounds crazy given. What did they have, 110 or 12 points? But really taking another big step. Um, Buffalo seems to be the sexy pick around here. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure about that team's goaltending and overall defense. I know they added Eric Johnson and former Bruin Connor Clifton, and I like those moves. Are they ready to take the next step? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it would be a big disappointment if they didn't make the playoffs. So I'll go with them, but I'm not – Sold in that Detroit, I still think, has got another year to mature, and I think Stevie Eiserman's okay with that. They finished last year, I remember the number, because it was a round number, 80 points. You're talking another, so if they're going to make the playoffs, give or take, let's call it 15 points, you know, 14 points, so to speak, on average. Uh, I don't know if they have that jump in them. The team that I'm curious about, you know, they have Corpus Allen on that is Ottawa. Um, I like them. I do. I, I, I like them more. Um, I'll go with Buffalo with a close Ottawa right behind them. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I think your hesitation is sort of telling, right? A lot of people in this market are like hoping or wishing or predicting the demise of the Boston Bruins, but it's going to take someone to step up and actually knock them out. And I don't know if there's a team ready to do that yet, despite Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit sort of being well, there for hey, a couple sorry. years, right? Tampa's also, you mentioned Tampa. You want to talk about a change in the locker room? Oh, Look yeah. at, I mean, I know you've got Hedman and Stamkos still there, but you know, you, you, you lost a lot of depth in Maroon and, and Perry, and, and, and I, I know the times have changed. It's, father time catches up, but those were big time leaders for them. There, um, they've had a lot of change there too. I'm, you know, keep an eye on them. I, you know, the Bruins had this sublime season last year with 135 points. Are they going to be? I mean, you know, if, if, if they're 35 points worse this year or earn 35 fewer points, yeah. they're still a 100-point team. Mm-hmm. So they still squeak it. They still get into the playoffs, right? So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. It's a, it's, a, it's a very fair 
very fair um, scenario to, to ask about. Yeah, if there's any maybe any conclusion to draw, it's that the Leafs should probably win the division. So no pressure uh, this year on the Toronto Maple Leafs, despite their having some challenges uh, to work through as well. Uh, this has been fun, Billy. We appreciate you coming on this morning. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Uh, and yeah, when training camp rolls around, best of luck with the new season. Thanks a lot. You guys too. Have a wonderful rest of the whatever summer is left. Three you weeks as well, so. yeah. It's running out. It is running out on us. Uh, thanks, Billy. That's NHL analyst for Nesson and co-host of the morning brew. Tage Thompson could have been a good uh, NHL 24 yeah. candidate, but he's yeah. got to string together more than one uh, big time Do you? season. Uh, well, yeah. Strike while the iron's hot. I mean, Kale has the the pedigree, but... You know, the con and the, the cup. And I can't wait to do some Norris. previews for teams. Oh, you're, and... you're chomping at the bit, eh? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, of course we're chomping at the <laughs> Of course bit. I am. Of course we're chomping I'm at the I'm very much eager to talk about the NHL returning to action, so. Yeah, and we're there. The The excuse, I think, to do it is the month of September. Yeah, we are, it's we right are, around the corner. We are close. Uh, let's hit a break because we got a busy 8 a.m. hour. Howard Eskin of WIP in Philadelphia. Bring the fire for will sure. join us to dish on everything <laughs> Philadelphia, including the Phillies, uh, who will be taking on the Blue Jays this week. A short two-game set. And then we'll get Ben Nicholson-Smith to dish on the Blue Jays after that. So busy 8 a.m. hour is next.